It is Monday, August 22nd. This is Jaguars Happy Hour. Jaguars Happy Hour is presented by Jet Home Loans. And now, a guy with the best catchphrases, no matter what Cardi B says, J.P. Shadrick. We're back, baby. It's Monday. I'm J.P. Shadrick. It's Jaguars Happy Hour. We've got two hours of intriguing radio ahead tonight. Hall of Famer Tony Baselli is in the building. He's at the desk. He's where he needs to be. Just ask him anytime. He's here tonight, of course. No Pete Prisco tonight. So ratings should be through the roof this evening. We'll get a Steelers game review preseason week two. The Jaguars loss and some things uh, to come out of that game. And then practices coming up this week against the Falcons in Atlanta. And, yes, your FanDuel fan questions in the second hour this evening. We've got a lot to get to. Uh, Tony, good afternoon. Good afternoon. How, How are, are you? you? I'm doing outstanding. How are you doing? You know what? I'm also doing outstanding, Tony. Uh, <laughs> uh, yes, we're looking forward to preseason week three coming up. I think you know this is the week where – you know, it's the last chance of practices against the Falcons to really kind of make an impression. And then the game is really for special teams and, you know, trying to figure out those final roster spots. That last preseason game usually feels like that. So I think um, by this time of training camp in the preseason, a lot of folks are ready just to get on to the regular year. But there's still business to ha- to get through. Yeah, there's always business. I mean, this game was more about first half and seeing the ones and play. And, you know, obviously the focus probably on offense more than anything because of Trevor Lawrence and seeing what he could do um, and how that group's progressing under uh, Doug Peterson. And you got a good view of the defense for an extended period. Next week's all about the back end of the roster. And, you know, what does that mean? You're probably looking at 10 to 15% of the roster fighting for spots. Um, so call it five to seven. Guys really fighting for – a spot on that 53-man roster, and then also rounding out the practice squad. So lots of business to do. Now, you know, is the last preseason game, you know, you have to, like, understand what you're watching. You're right. not going to see the starters. This is Most of, likely. I mean, we're assuming. I mean, I don't think – I mean, has Doug said anything he yet? He hasn't officially? said anything yet. He hasn't talked this week. You know, after the game was the last time he talked. Yeah, so, so – And uh, it might feel like the Hall of Fame game, honestly. You know, starters didn't play in that one. Yeah, I think it would be similar to that. That's probably a good sense of what you're going to see. Yeah. And you might not even see guys like Trayvon Walker, who you did see in that first game. True. So and the starting, be... starting secondary played in that That's game, right. too, in Canton. So who knows about those guys, too. Well, uh, the offense, you mentioned them. Um, you wanted to see the starters. You got to see the starting offense for the first half. They drove the ball throughout the game, in fact. They had a 15-play drive at one point. They had a 10-play drive. But... They fell shy, and if you're watching on Jaguars.com, you see the drive chart in the first half. Well, seven plays, missed field goal, 10 plays, 47 yards, a field goal made, 15 plays, had to settle for a field goal, and they turned the ball over on downs and into the half. So Doug Peterson, after the game, was asked about that red zone offense. Yeah, not good enough. You know, not good enough. We got to finish drives with uh, with scores. You know, and and um, that's something we talk about and, and work on. You know, quite a bit with the red zone, and and we just got to keep working. You know, the offense understands that one, we got to run the football in the red zone. You know, number one, and we tried to do that tonight, and and um, you know that wasn't good enough, and uh, we just got to keep keep plugging away. You know, and 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 look at it, and 
you know, get better and, and make sure we get the right guys in there and, and uh, you know, get ready here in a couple of weeks. So you got to finish in the end zone, uh, Tony. And this that is the purpose of the game. You yes. think you want to score more points than the other team too, right? So I mean, that's what you get from former quarterbacks. You get that kind of hard hitting insight. So I appreciate. Deep. He would know more than most <laughs> that you need to score, and they haven't done a lot of that really in this. Uh, no, we yet. haven't scored. I mean, how many touchdowns? I know we had one. The uh, last play of, of for the starters last week against the Browns was a touchdown pass. That was that's so only about it for yeah, the starters. For the starters, and then we had one one more with C.J. Beathard running the ball in. Did we score a touchdown against the Raiders in that game? I can't remember. I wasn't really watching. I think you were honest. busy. Right? I was busy, so I can't. Even, <laughs> I have no idea. Um, but yes, the, I mean, red zone's critical. I mean, you, I mean, it's situational football. The good teams are good at situational football, and they're good in the red zone. Both offensively and defensively, keeping people on the end zone, forcing field goals, and then sticking it in when you have opportunities. And the good news, let's take the positive, is that the offense moved the ball. You know, not really three and outs and penalties and behind the chains. I mean, how often was this team behind the chains? Not often, mm -hmm. which is good. That's a good it was sign. Like one holding call last week. Yeah, and that's a great progression. Now, the downside is. You know, inconsistencies from Trevor early, missing some guys that would extended drives and move the ball that might turn into touchdowns. And so those are critical plays. They look like just a third down, but really what it is is it gives you another chance to a set of downs to have it when you're on the positive side of the field to get the ball in the end zone. Um, so, and I think they really only had one red zone trip. Was the That's right. That was the 15-play drive. 15-play drive. And I think it was right at the edge. I don't think they got deep into the red zone. Correct. Um, so – um, yeah, the way I look at it is overall, I think there's a lot of positive looking at this offense, a lot of positive. I mean, you could, you know, after the first two drives of this game and the game last week, Trevor Lawrence looked really good, made some really great throws. Um, and, it, and going back and watching the tape, you know, the offensive line can be a little bit cleaner. Some guys flashing in front of him on, you know, one of the missed throws. There's a little bit of pressure in his mm -hmm. face. Not mm -hmm. bad pressure. To, I'm not excusing Trevor. He needs to make the play. But you're always looking, okay, who else can do a little bit better? You know, I think the offensive line could clean a couple things up here or there. But overall, I mean, Trevor's got to be more consistent early in games. And he's got to hit the easy ones. And he missed some easy ones uh, the last couple of weeks. We'll get your thoughts on the offensive line a little bit later in about 15 minutes. But Trevor Lawrence's performance against the Steelers, 14-21, 133 through the air. Trevor Lawrence, in his own words, after the game. Yeah, I mean, you know, it's hard. I don't, I don't like to say too much before I watch it and, and see. And there's definitely a lot of good things to watch from the tape and learn from. Um, Pittsburgh did a nice job, gave a lot of different looks. Um, so there'll be a lot of things to learn from. I'd say just obviously you want to score more touchdowns. Sim similar um, theme as last week. So got to improve there. Uh, I mean, you've seen our ability to drive the ball and time of possession and keep drives going has been great. And that's something that's going to really help us throughout the season. But in order to win these games, you got you to score more points. So. From there, I'd say that's the first thing obviously that comes to mind. That's the obvious. And then um, I think I left a few plays out there. Got a little bit um, antsy with my feet at times. So there's some things, you know, individually to work on and, and to watch. And then um, I think as a unit, though, we did. There was more good things than bad, especially in that, in that first half with with our crew that was out there. I felt felt good about what the things we did. Obviously, uh, the obvious is to score more touchdowns, but there'll there'll be more to learn from for sure. You know, before the game, Doug Peterson. Uh, Tony said that they wanted him to get a little deeper in his progressions down the field. It felt like maybe a couple of times that happened. There was a play to Christian Kirk down the field 
where he had an option to throw to I think Marvin Jones Jr. who had crossed they had crossers crossed, yeah. and he threw past him to the second level. That was a good sign, I thought. Well, yeah, I mean, part of being able to go through your progressions, making sure you have a good time, and uh, and you have to have the offensive line has to allow you to do that. And when they did, I think he did a good job of going through that. I still go back to, you know, I think he hit on it. It's his feet. When his feet get unsettled and aren't good, he's not as accurate. When his feet are good, he is. Boy, he is on target, and he makes. And his arm is so talented. He's such a big guy, and he has such a good presence in the pocket. He just stands there tall. He's not. He doesn't get skittish when he gets hit or things flash. Um, and he obviously has great. He's a great athlete. He can run uh, with it when necessary. So, um, you know, people have taught you. Are you worried about Trevor because of the inconsistency and maybe some inaccuracy issues early? Not at all. I mean, he has the right coaching staff around him. Um, all fixable things. It's not like this guy can't hit the broadside of a barn for like the whole game. I mean, it's it's here or there. Now, unfortunately, it's come at some big third downs when there's plays to be made, and that's you know good. I'm glad it's happening right now. Let's get it cleaned up, which he will. Um, he has the right mindset. I like, and I like that you know what he said there uh, in his uh, post game pressers. Like, hey, I'm not going to say too much until I see the tape. Let me see because here's one thing I learned. <laughs> playing it's never as good as you think it is and it's never as bad as you think it is you know it's you know sometimes I've left practices or games it's like oh my gosh that is the worst like I can't even imagine what's that gonna look like it is awful and I'm like depressed and I watch the film the next day and it's like huh wasn't as bad as I thought and Doug Peterson said that about the the now I guess somewhat infamous Wednesday practice last week where the defense dialed up a bunch of pressure and Trevor Lawrence threw a bunch of picks and they had miscommunication issues in offense it was at least at first glance, it felt like just a really rough day at the office for the offense. But Peterson later was like, yeah, you know, it was, it was on purpose, and there's some things you can take away from it, and it wasn't as bad as, you know, when they look back at the tape. So that happens. Well, I mean, that's a veteran guy. Yeah. It's a veteran coach and player who's been in the situation where you leave a practice one side of the ball and you're like, <laughs> what did we do today? That is awful. <laughs> and I've been on their side you're like, woo, we dominated. And then you go into the meeting and you're just getting ripped by the coach because you're like, you know, that wasn't quite as good as I thought it was. We got a break here and it was a slip guy here and, you know, so on and so forth. So, hey, game football is complex and it's, it's, it can be messy and sometimes, you know, things don't work out as planned and it's guys making plays above and beyond and you kind of work through things. And overall, I'm really excited about this offense. Um, I think this is in my, you know, this is early and I don't want to jinx it. And we had too many people saying goofy things last year. Thankfully I was not one of them. I I don't recall that part of it. I think you were among the, No, I was not high on the receiving core. I wasn't like, woo. I, I wasn't. I wasn't down on him. I just said, let's wait and see. I'm actually very high on this. I think this is the best receiving core we've had since, you know, Jimmy and Keenan. Now, Jimmy and Keenan, they're not near that. Um, But, you know, if you look at – take those guys off the table and you look as a group, I think this group has the potential with, you know, Marvin Jones, Zay Jones, and then Christian Kirk being the number one guy, like, to be really, really productive. Veteran guys who understand how to separate, at least so far in the preseason, With they've speed. been able to get open, and they're fast. Well, I mean, Marvin Jones isn't a burner. At a, at but a he limit. knows how to get open. But he's a he's a professional receiver. That's he can catch I, the ball when it's thrown to he's him. A, he's a professional receiver. He knows how to work his body. He understands how to read coverages, yeah. use leverage, and everything else. Christian Kirk can run and move, and is a very good at finding open spaces. And I think, and then Zay Jones can just flat run. I mean, he can get up and go. And then you have Agnew, which was great to see him back in action. Little, I think little screen game. I think he's gonna nice. be your fourth receiver. 
Why not? And then the question is, you know, how do you lose the Visca? And you know, not, you know, let's let's hope not as a punt returner. Yeah, that's my early. That wasn't a, a fantastic showing. Um, I'll but you know, that. he has a role in this offense. I wouldn't be surprised. Maybe use him out of the backfield a little bit. I think there's some things you can do there. They're not going to show that during preseason, obviously. All right, he's the fifth guy, and, and then he's you, the sixth guy, and then the, then I think it's right now. I'd argue it's between um, Treadwell and Tim Jones. And Tim think, Jones has the most catches in preseason. Well, take the, I don't that. think that matters as much. I think who's who, who's more valuable on special teams? Because if you're going to be the sixth receiver on the mm-hmm. roster, you better be a core special team guy. Um, and who's better? Is it LaVisca or Tim Jones at special teams? Tim Jones, 6'1", 200 pounds, first-year player out of Southern Miss. And, of course, Laquan Treadwell has been in the league for a number of years. He's a little bigger than that, a big physical receiver. Former first-round pick, but those days are a long time ago. But he's found his way uh, to stick around in the NFL and, and kind of, I think, probably humbled a little bit after you're a first-round pick. Things don't go like you plan, but he's handled it seemingly pretty well. Yeah, he's years. a pro. Yeah. I mean, he works. He, he, he wants a role in the team. Uh, I, I think guys like that who are positive and have high energy and are willing to do anything to help the team are really valuable. Um, it's just a question. I mean, it's the little things. And I think that this game matters coming up for both those guys. Uh, and it, it'll it'll be a debate between the special teams coach and the wide receiver coach and offense coordinator, like because they're all going to have a different use case for that individual. And then Doug will ultimately decide, you know, what's what who is most valuable to help us win football games. But the six receivers, you know, not going to get very many catches. You know, let's hope not because that means there's a bunch of injuries. <laughs> That's right. But that guy will be valuable on special teams. All right, coming up in just a little bit, we'll get into the defensive performance in this past weekend's game against the Steelers. And coming up in the second hour, the Fanatics fan questions from social media. That's coming up a little bit later. Do you ever? Are you tired of being called the Hall of Famer, Tony Vassell? No, not even in the slightest. Okay, I'm going to keep calling you that then. That's Hall of Famer Tony Vasselli. I'm J.P. Shadrick. We are off and running. It's Jaguars Happy Hour on the Jaguars Digital Network. I think it's grown a lot. Uh, I think the the guys are, are closer than ever, and we're buying into the culture here. And you know, that's work to win. So, you know, every week we come with that mindset to you know keep pushing, find something to get better at in, during the week, and uh, and go out there on the field and, and do our best. And I think we're doing that. And um, I feel like Vincent's gonna fall through for us. Work to win. That's Tyson Campbell, Jaguars cornerback. Welcome back. It's Jaguars Happy Hour. J.P. Shadrick with Hall of Famer Tony Baselli. Pete Frisco is out this week. Thank goodness. That's aggressive, but expected. Well, it's, I mean, he just sucks up my time, so. <laughs> you know, it is all about your time now, <laughs> you know, because you don't have enough of it as of late. You need some more. Yeah, 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 yeah. All right, so that's Tyson Campbell. He had a, I mean, the the play on George Pickens where he blasted him on that pass out to the left was fantastic. Old Georgia teammates going at it there. That was nice to see. But his defense as a whole in the preseason has been really good against the run so far. Now the, fir- the first unit, Let's the first clear. team. Yes, yeah, because you're right. As you get down the line, the first two weeks of the preseason, we were getting gashed. Ooh. Now it was better against the Steelers overall. Twenty four yards, I'd yeah, say overall. Yeah, it was sure. very good. Right. So they were on the field for the entire first half and a drive into the second half as a starting unit. So, what'd you make? You know, two minute drive gave up the touchdown. That's yeah. The two minute drive was not very good. No, 
I mean, it was way too easy. A rookie quarterback back there. I mean, you, you got to do a better job of – and they were getting decent pressure, but he was getting rid of the ball quick. Like, okay, like we know that we're getting after the quarterback because they got after Trubisky. Now they couldn't tackle him. I mean, Trubisky was like Earl Campbell back there breaking tackles. <laughs> um, okay, easy. I mean, well, he was. Campbell. Go look at it. I watched it again. I'm like, <laughs> tackle him. Let's go. Um, but you got to – I mean, come on. You're getting pressure. You got to do better on the back half. And they got to clean that. They got to clean it up a little bit. It was too easy for the rookie to go down and score. Um, like you, you have it has to be. There has to be more contested throws hmm. and contested opportunities. So they'll clean that up. But besides that, I thought the first two preseason games, the number one unit was outstanding against the run. Pre- like they pressured the quarterback very well with four and with the blitz. So not ju- they didn't have to blitz to do it. Arden Key is going to be a difference maker in third yeah, down. Those guys, he and, and Smoot, I thought, had really good days. Smoot's a really good player. I thought J- Josh Allen was impactful rushing against the left tackle. He got after him especially early. Um, good push by um, Trayvon Walker. Didn't, like, didn't do too much in the past game, but good, he got good push on his rushes. And what I like is that front four, when you have um, – when your front four is Josh Allen, Arden Key, Roy, uh, Roy Robinson, Harris, or Smoot, and then Trayvon Walker, like they get push. Mm-hmm. Like they are collapsing the pocket. They, the quarterback is feeling their presence even if they're not coming clean, and that's, that's a good sign. It's got to make him move. Yeah, you, you want to get him off get his him, spot. You want to give him something to think about. Yeah. You can't let him sit back there and, and act like it's seven on seven because the quarterbacks are too good. Um, in today's NFL, not to pressure him. If a guy has time, I don't care. I mean, there's a bunch of quarterbacks in this league. If you keep them clean in the pocket, they're going to hurt you, and especially the good ones. So you, you, have to, you have to pressure. And I think Mike Caldwell, so far with the guys he has, has done a good job with that. And, and you mentioned Dwan Smoot. Yep. I've, I've been super impressed with him. He had the uh, holding call in the end zone for a safety, which was a great play. That was after the starting group was out. That was the first drive for the reserves. I'm using air quotes with fingers for those. On yeah, radio. I don't conserve. I don't consider Smoot a reserve. They're, he's a rotational roll him one. In. I mean, he's going to play a lot of football. Absolutely, he's one of the best players on the defense, and I love his. I love it because his story is so good. I mean, the, Jeff and I talked about it in the broadcast. I mean, the first two years this time, we were always talking – not the first year because it was a draft pick, but years probably two, maybe even three were talking, is he going to make the team? Is mm-hmm. he on the 53? And he found a way to stay on the roster and kept on working. And last year, he was a difference maker. He was a really good player last year. And this year, boy, he – I mean, he is he's a wrecking ball. I mean, he's going to be a guy that they count on to play a lot of football. I mean, he will – he'll probably play as much as a starter when you figure out all the rotation at the end of a game, the snaps that he accumulates is going to be right up there. Or packages on certain situations oh, yeah, come up in games. You know, they have a rush situation that might could, could be different personnel on the field. Like, the, like I think if you were going to put your four best rushers out there – Pass rushers. Pass rushers. Who are they? It's, it's, it's Josh Allen, Arden Key, it's Dwan Smoot, and then Trayvon Walker. How did Arden Key get free then if he's that good? I don't know. I mean, he's a he had a good year last year as a rotational backup player in San Francisco. Right. And he is long and he's elusive and he has sneaky power. Um, and he so from that in that sub package, which is nickel defense. So basically, when they have three wides or more, 
and you put him over a defensive ta- over an offensive tackle at the defensive tackle position, he's a matchup problem because he'll make them move, and if he gets their feet moving, he's going to cause problems. So, I, like to your point, I'm surprised that yeah. he didn't have more interest in the offseason. All right, so there's all this defensive success so far for the starting groups. We've talked about this. The run defense has been good. They've uh, they're getting some pass rush from a number of different guys. That's great. It's the preseason, Tony. Does this equate to week one, two, three? Can they carry that over? Is it it's gonna be different feeling when a team's actually fully game planning for you? Yeah, right? but it's gonna be feel different too when we're fully game planning. And I have a lot of confidence in Doug Peterson and Press Taylor and the ability to game plan, you know, come up with situational football uh, advantages against other teams. And Mike Caldwell, yeah. And then yeah. I'm just talking offense. Yeah. On the defensive side, Mike Caldwell, first time ever doing it, so really we gotta wait and see. But boy, he was trained under one of the best defensive coordinators of all football, and Todd Bowles. I mean, you talk about defensive mind. One of the smartest people in football is Todd Bowles. I mean, he knows his stuff, and Mike Caldwell was trained under him, and I hold him in high regard based on what I've seen so far and how this defense is, you know, how him and his staff are putting together a defense. So, you know, it, it goes both ways there. You know, I always take the – you always take the preseason with a grain of salt because mm-hmm. everything changes. And you got to tell the young guys, like, you think you – like, I always laugh when, like, oh, the game's slowing down for us in the preseason. Like, no, this isn't football. <laughs> like, it's going to go up noticeably. I mean, I'll never forget, you know, my – I was um, – uh, we were playing in uh, St. Louis, my – because I didn't play my rookie year in the preseason, so second year playing preseason, and we're playing this Rams and Leslie O'Neill, perennial all-pro uh, bowl player, like five, six pro bowls, whatever he went to. You know, he was in his 10th, 11th, 12th year, whatever it was, and I played him in the preseason and just, I'm like, this is easy. <laughs> and uh, we had a matchup about five weeks later in the regular season. I remember the first series, first third down, he came off the ball, and I was like, whoa, whoa, who's this guy? <laughs> Where did he get well, this step from? Wait a second. This guy's playing a lot faster <laughs> than I remember from the preseason. And I had to like, okay, get my mind right. This is not going to be a day at the beach. This is going to be a tough matchup. This is a really good football player. And so that, you know, when you think of these young players, the rookies like a Trayvon Walker, um, like a Muma, like a, you know a, a Fortner, and the, you know, and then Devin Lloyd, who's not going to have um, pretty much much preseason at all. Like it's going to be like, okay, you did good, good job, um, but be ready to dial it up because the speed of the game is is going to increase. And then when you know, you know, God willing, this team gets in the playoffs, it goes even it's even more intense. And so, now, the good news is all the guys I just mentioned are good football players. They'll have no problem adjusting. But it'll be a slight adjustment. It always is um, when you go from that preseason to regular season. So, yeah, you know, so take it with a grain of salt. Good, bad, and different. Um, we've seen teams in this league go 4-0 in the preseason and not win a game all season. And we've seen teams go 0-4 and be in the playoffs. I, I I don't think you get much of a gauge from wins and losses in the preseason to what the team can be. We'll come back in a moment, Tony. We're going to talk offensive line. We're going to get some answers out of you. Okay, let's do it. I'm ready. Especially about the right tackle battle. Competition. Okay, let's do this. How about that? For nine years, it. DreamFinders Homes has been proud to call themselves the official home builder of the Jaguars. Visit DreamFindersHomes.com for all the available inventory and go Jags. Second hour, we'll get your fan questions. Plenty more ahead. It's Jaguars Happy Hour presented by Jet Home Loans on the Jaguars Digital Network. 
I honestly, I think that we're just showing just a little bit. Um, you know, this offense is capable of a lot. We have a lot of dynamic guys, and you know, schematically, based off of who we're playing, um, there's a lot of areas where we can take advantage of defenses, and so that'll be a you know a, a great thing to see, an exciting thing to um, be able to attack. You know, once we get into Washington. It's Christian Kirk, Jaguars wide receiver. The Jags offense holding their cards close to the vest in the preseason. Welcome back. It's Jaguars happy hour. J.P. Shadrick with Tony Baselli, Hall of Famer. What cards do you think they're what holding What are you close? eating right now? They, they, well, last week they had no snacks in the snack room. They're out. Today they have a plethora of snacks. They, I got some. <laughs> we uh, have a lot of breaks ahead, too. Yeah, so. I got a little, uh, some crackers with peanut butter. Outstanding. It's good. I love peanut butter. Peanut butter is one of my favorite things. Is it really? Mm. Right there at the top, huh? Love peanut butter. Like a condiment ranking. That would be like number one for you. Does that count as a condiment? I don't even know. I don't know. I don't, is that a condiment? Because I, I, I don't consider that a condiment. Because like my dressing. favorite it's, condiment is like hot sauce. Yeah, that would make sense. Yeah, I, I don't, don't think it's a condiment. I don't think so either. I think peanut butter is food. It's one of my favorite foods. It's, you know, peanuts. It is. Like, I don't like it in the house. Like, I like peanut butter, almond butter, like that kind of stuff. Because if it's in the house, I like last night before I went to bed, we got a spoon, spoonfuls, big old thing out of the peanut butter. <laughs> I mean, I love peanut butter. Apparently so. Mm. Good for you. Yeah. Hey. Peanut, butter, peanut butter and jelly sandwich, peanut butter and honey sandwich, peanut butter and honey and banana sandwich. Oh. Kind of getting, li- getting that, into Elvis territory, aren't we? That's living, though. I mean, that Do you fry li- these things, too? I'm not against it. I uh, have who is? I, I, um, I have toasted. I like toasted, like PB&J mm. or toasted peanut butter and honey and bananas. I mean, so they're toasting the bread, and then you spread out a nice thick thing. And I like the chunky, like the little chunky peanut butter. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. I will say this. If somebody is turning on uh, 1010XL for the first time ever right now and maybe moved in from out of town – and, and don't realize who's talking. They know it's an offensive lineman right now, and it's Tony Baselli. And that brings us into the offensive line discussion. Yes. The Big Eaters. Well, there's a a battle going on at right tackle right now. Walker Little and Jawan Taylor. Taylor, of course, the fourth year incumbent at that position. He hasn't missed a game in three seasons. There, Walker Little. Now his second year in the NFL. The competition, at least Doug Peterson said, was continuing this past weekend, Saturday night and could continue into the practices in Atlanta. What did you see from those guys Saturday? I mean, I think Jawan Taylor is the leader. I mean, if I had to pick a starter right now, I'm playing Jawan Taylor. He's more consistent. I don't think he's as physical as, as Walker Little, he's, I, but I think he's more consistent in the pass protecting. I thought he did a good job overall. Um, I know I think coming into the camp, I thought Walker Little would win that job, and early, you know, he was probably – pretty far ahead a lot of that due to the fact that Juwan had an injury and missed time and and everything else when did that change I think last uh, I think the preseason game against the Browns and I think and then the week of practice afterwards I think Taylor had better practices you know Walker Little had some tough spots Um, and then if you watch the game you know I just think you know Walker Little still has some to me has some issues in the past game with his hands in in maintaining the angle and, and stretching the pocket in creating space. Um, you know, Jawan Taylor, I mean, he has some of his own issues in the past game, like getting too vertical at times, going backwards too much instead of widening. But I, I, I just think overall he's more consistent. And, I, you know, I go back to 
his rookie year, when we all thought at the end of that year he had a chance to be one of the premier right tackles in football, and he's never gotten better. In fact, you might say he regressed a little bit. I am hoping, um, and I have a ton of respect for Phil Rauscher, the new offensive line coach. I think he's really good, um, and he's a good teacher, good technician. I think I'm hoping that Juwan is buying in, and I think he is, and will help him because I think if he does, that Juwan Taylor has a chance to get back to what we expected him to be in kind of the potential. Um, I'm not giving up on Walker Little by any means. I think he has a ton of potential himself, and he is a physical man, and he's a big man. He's athletic, does good in space as far as in the run game, get up next level. But he needs to do better. He need, he just needs to be better with his hands and his consistency, and I think the menta- he needs to have a, a finishing mentality. Like you finish every play. Like you are hell or come high water. I mean, you are going to in, be in between – the defender and the running back or quarterback, and you're going to fight like hell and yeah. die a thousand deaths before you let anything happen or you get beat. And so hmm. um, I think Juwan's the guy right now. So, all right, Jawan Taylor, right? It's his fourth year in the NFL. Um, it's the first time he's really had competition at right tackle, right? He's always been the guy going in. Does that maybe sharpen your focus, both of those reasons? You're competing for the first time, and, oh, yes, it is a contract year. Let's be serious. It's professional football. It's a business, too. Does that help Jawan maybe focus a little more? Not that he had trouble focusing before. He's, he seems like he's locked in and does his work, but, hey, it's, it's what it is. Right? If you're a competitor, then most guys that get to this level are competitors. Yeah. I mean, I think competition's good. I think being uncomfortable is good. And – Sometimes guys need external things to happen to be uncomfortable. For me, I was always uncomfortable from the standpoint is you're still uncomfortable. Yeah, well, that's for different reasons. You know, but I always, I mean, to me, it was always like I'm trying to set, I've set a standard or initially I'm trying to set the standard. And then once I set the standard of playing at a high level, I want to continue to play to that standard and beyond. And so there was always like an internal competition going on at all times. Um, some guys need the external, like something to happen. Contract year, another guy comes, threatens his job, whatever, to get that fire going. Mm-hmm. Um, so whatever the reason is, because I'm with you, I never sensed Jawan is the type of guy that was lackadaisical or didn't take his job serious or yeah. didn't care. Right. I never sensed that. But a lot of times in the history of this league, either being a contract year, that's a trigger, or having someone – in that can take your job, it brings the best out of you. And, and uh, let's hope that's the case for Juwan Taylor. And the flip side of that is let's hope that Walker Little says, hey, this is like if I'm going to get – if I want to start in this league, i got to go take it. i got to raise my game. i got to compete harder. i got to like, go grab the, the, you know, the gold at the end of the rainbow and snatch it and take it away and say, I am the guy. Um, and right now he has not done that. And so I think – if I was a betting man, um, I would bet that Juwan Taylor's your starting right tackle opening day, all things considered. Obviously, everyone needs to stay healthy. And, and I think the last opportunity, because I don't think either of those guys play against Atlanta. No. I don't. So the practice field is where it's going to be determined. I think you know the, the matchups against the Falcons for two days should give Doug Peterson and Phil Rauscher a good idea of who's going to be that starter. How do you approach uh, – you, you mentioned on Walker Little that at times in the middle of a play if something happens, he maybe doesn't finish and the guy will you know, get around him or he'll just kind of give up 
from time to time. How do you can you teach that? Do you how do you how do you overcome that as a player? Well, I think it's just the emphasizing finish, and I think there's a. I think as an offensive lineman, there should be an urgency every play, and what I mean by that, like the urgency is like. I I break the huddle. I know my job. I know who I'm supposed to block. And now there's like a, a sense of desperation, urgency, like, okay, I'm getting ready to go into the war zone. And it's it's kill or be killed. And so I'm going like to finish this play. I mean it was to me it's like that's what every snap is in the NFL. It's either, you know, outside of maybe, you know, on a naked bootleg or some like display, oh you just gotta kind of, you know, it's an easy play. There's not many of those for the offensive line. But it's that I'm entering in play by play, and it's a battle that I have a large human being across from me that's trying to beat me. And so I better have the mentality that I'm going to beat him and dominate him on the snap. And I think that's a mentality you have to develop. T.J. Watt was on the other side early in Saturday's game. Yeah. He's the defensive player of the year in the it's NFL. It's pretty good. But there's a lot of really good pass rushers in the NFL. I mean, you're going to line up against a really good one most weeks. This is how it is, right? I mean, it's not – yeah, it's T.J. Watt, but there are <laughs> – it's week to every week in the league has somebody. You know, so that, there's, obvious, that is, there's a lot of people, hey, oh, it's T.J. Watt. It's well, not that big a deal. No, it's Every week there's somebody similar to that. Well, maybe not to the level – of TJ Watt, but, but your point is right, come JP. On. First of all, I always say, believe this is my belief. If you want to be a considered a pr- premier player in the NFL, well, then you got to go block the other premier players. And I, my guess is that Juwan Taylor and Walker Little want to be considered a starting caliber, high end right tackle in this league or offensive lineman. Well, if that's the case. You got to go block guys like T.J. Watt, and you got to go block the you know rookie from wherever that no one knows about. So regardless of the level, like the expectation should be. Now, with that said, if you were playing T.J. Watt in the regular season, would Doug Peterson and Phil Rauscher come up with a game plan to help and to slide to and probably a hundred percent. But the goal of the offensive line men should be like, I'm going to go block this guy. And I'm going to have the mentality that it's me against him and I'm going to go block him regardless of what his credentials are. Now, is it harder against T.J. Watt? Absolutely. But I don't think you should give yourself an excuse and I don't think we should make an excuse for him. Um, and I, and I, I doubt Walker Little's thinking, oh, it's okay, I got beat for a sec because it's T.J. Watt. <laughs> no, he's right. I've been in that situation. I've gotten beat by all pro Hall of Famers and I've gotten beat by guys that no one would ever heard of. And regardless of when it happened, it did not. I didn't like it, and it wasn't okay. And you, you should set the standard at the highest possible level for yourself, and that means regardless who's, out, who's playing defensive end or defense tackle or whatever it is, you got to go block them. I like the fact on the sideline that after – it was a drive or two after that, but throughout the evening – those guys are talking to each other, Little and Taylor, and and trading notes and comparing what happened. It's not like they're sitting on other ends of the bench. Um, they're good guys. They want each other to do well, and whatever, however the chips fall at the end of this competition, it'll it, as long as it makes the team better. I think both those guys would be on board with it. Well, I mean, here's the reality: they're both going to be on the team. You're going to be teammates, um, and both guys are going to play at some point this year. 
Now, unless, you know, whoever wins the job and Cam, both those guys play healthy for every or healthy every snap for every game, which let's hope. Um, that's what I'm believing, but we also know the the law of things crazy things happening is gonna happen in this league. And so you, you like regardless who wins the job, the other guy has to be ready and you want both guys to be confident and capable because you're gonna need them to win games this football season. If you're looking for the MVP of the truck game, then look no further than Ford F-150. Loaded with impressive capability and designed to dominate work, play, and everything in between, this truck makes tough look easy. Your local Ford dealer, proud partner of the Jacksonville Jaguars. What snack are you going with this break? Peanut butter. Peanut butter. <laughs> you jumped the gun. Peanut butter crackers. We're not even commercial yet. Well, usually. What are you doing? Usually, you guys, once you start reading, <laughs> take the camera off me. I'm chewing. It's rude. <laughs> Come on. Once man. you take the can, once you start reading, I, I'm off. Like I've, I'm done. My job's over. Zoom in. Yeah, get in tight on him on the camera. That's, that's just what we need for posterity. Uh, we're back in a moment. We'll take a look at the Miller Electric Center. It's Jaguars Happy Hour on the Jaguars Digital Network. Welcome back. It's Jaguars Happy Hour presented by Jet Home Loans. J.P. Shadrick, Tony Baselli. No Pete Prisco. He's out this week. It's glorious. I mean, I'm looking uh, online, and right now this is the highest-rated show in 12 months. Yeah, Twitter is a buzz. It's going crazy. It's what happens in social media now. I don't know. Are we? We're not viral yet, but pretty we're close. getting there. Pretty close. We're getting there. Uh, let's take a look. If you're watching on Jaguars.com and our Jaguars social media channels, Twitter, Facebook, and YouTube at the Miller Electric Center outside TIAA Bank Field, it's scheduled to be open for training camp in 2023. 125,000 square foot facility and uh, the future practice fields for the Jaguars are now a muddy swamp after yeah, nasty say, rain today. Yeah, the rain came down. Boy, I was at the beach and you could see it over the city and then it kind of slowly migrated <laughs> to the beach and all of a sudden it's like it's pitch black out there. And uh so it's a little bit muddy out there and my guess is they probably had to shut it down for a while because of the lightning and everything oh, else yeah, in the area. Oh, yeah, that's not ideal if you're, you know, in <laughs> no, a crane. Yeah, or up on the scaffolding. Yeah. I don't think that's where you want to be. Bad idea. Yeah, like, yeah I'd pass. i pass. <laughs> um, but, yeah, they're doing a good job. It's coming up quick. I'm looking forward to it. It'll be fun. It's going to create a – like, think about, you know, it's going to be interesting how they manage the, pra- uh, the game field because they're going to be practicing on the field. Yes. And so what – you know, and then it also will impact – Doug Peterson's um, preparation, because think about it. Let's say you have a week like, which we have in Jacksonville, where it rains like this all week. Well, you're not going to be, and you have a home game. Mm-hmm. You're not going to be able to practice on the game field. Nope. And so you're going to be in the bubble, which is tight to do everything you want to do, because um, you can't do things out of the end zone because of the way it's structured and so on and so forth. Yeah. And so that will impact your preparation of what, you know, and so. Now, nothing you can't overcome, but coaches and players like routine. And they like predictable. And they like structure. Well, this is going to create – so you're going to get some curveballs this year, most likely, if you're Doug Peterson around practice schedule, how you practice, where you can practice. 
Because you just can't practice if it's rain if it's rained and it's wet out there. And they've got a plan for putting in a new surface from time to time because there's the, the month of October. Think about this, right? Uh, Texans Jaguars October 9th, October fifteenth Jackson State Bethune Cookman, October twenty third Giants Jaguars, October 29th, the cocktail party Florida Georgia, and then Vegas and and the Jaguars the week after that. I mean that's October into November. That's every week there's something going on, and that's the busiest portion of the schedule in the game field out here. Well, which means you probably can't practice much during those yeah, time, right? that time because, you know, you're just going to tear the field up. And, and then you have to look at weather because I'm not a turf expert or lay, laying long <laughs> You're shot. a meteorologist and a turf expert. That's eat- amazing. You get the gold jacket. It's all of a sudden I'm not- he's an expert <laughs> in most fields. Just ask him. I'm not either of those, but my guess is if it's pouring rain – not the best time to re- replace sod. I, again, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I don't know if it's a muddy mess out there. You want to be laying new sod. I mean, maybe it doesn't matter. I don't know. But it, I mean, you have to look at all that. And uh, it'll, it'll create some challenges um, for the team. Now, my guess, I wonder if, if you do get an extended period where you just can't be outside on the turf, I mean, on the grass practicing, can they go back and use Episcopal? Good a few question. times. I, I, yeah. I remember, yeah. and I can't remember why, but my rookie year, there was a couple times during the season, regular season, that we had to go pa- practice at Bishop Kenny because hmm. something was wrong with the practice fields or something. I can't remember what it was. I have no idea, to be honest with you. Um, but I remember getting on a bus a few times having to go practice over there. And so I think that, I mean, it would be an option I'd want in my back pocket. Yeah, just in case. And uh, I wonder if the Jags, if Doug, at Doug Peterson's request, have arranged that with Episcopal, like, hey, if in case of emergency, like our break glass option is put, getting buses and coming over and practicing there again. And uh, thanks again to the folks at Episcopal. 13 of the first 14 practices of training camp were at their sports campus. The head of school, Reverend Adam Green, and the director of athletics, Andy Kidd, were invited to break down the team after the last practice there. They had a bunch of the staff over there watching practice in the final day, and a really cool and nice, gracious host to, to have the Jaguars there for, what, three weeks at camp. I used to be an Episcopal employee. I am aware of this. As a, uh, I, I think like I went to a game and saw this. If you never went to a high school game that Tony Baselli was coaching the offensive line, you have missed out on a treat. <laughs> Headsets are flying, <laughs> fingers are pointing. You could hear me. Let's Teenagers are shaking in their cleats. I mean, come on, man. It was oh, something else. I loved it. It was fun. It was fun. <laughs> it was uh, Mark and I had a good time of doing that. I love coaching those kids. Yeah, that's a. It's been a while though, right? Oh yeah, it's been a. It's been at least five years. I think four years. Yeah, four years probably. I mean, Mark's not there anymore. He's been. This is his second yeah. year in Detroit. Yeah, he's in Detroit now. I don't think I've coached with him the last two years there. Do you miss it? Um. Yeah. I mean, I don't miss the craziness it added to my schedule. You know, with you know, obviously what I do with the Jaguars, and I got my own company and doing that, and you know, and then Thursday night football I mean, with, get, West, with with Westwood One. And don't forget the autograph signings now. Well, we'll set I mean, that. We'll set that aside. That I don't know when as, they're going to put those in, but that you know that just adds to the schedule. <laughs> Okay. It's heavy. Listen, Pete's not here. Keep it's a heavy ready. schedule. But um, I do miss it. I loved it. I mean, I love football. I miss playing. Um, I, you know, cause you, and I loved coaching, whether it was high school or I, I just loved being around it and teaching and being a part of the game. So I miss that. 
Um, so, yeah, I miss a lot of aspects of it, of being closer to the game. It's great to do what we do, you know, doing this show and, and calling the games on radio. It keeps me close enough. But are there times it would be fun to kind of take a deeper dive and even spend more time and get rid of some of the other stuff I do so I could be full-time doing just football? Yeah, it would be interesting. Um, and so, I, you know, that will always be there. But, you know, right now in my life, I am plenty busy, J.P., and I love uh, I love doing the radio and doing this with you, and I love the healthcare company I have. It's a lot of fun. I I, I enjoy business. I I like working. It's fun. Yeah, I mean, what else would you do? You know, I'm not good enough. I'm not good enough at golf to play golf every day. I know that, and I don't really enjoy fishing um, like Jeff Logman does or hunting. I mean, I'll go do hunting or fishing every once in a while. Um, you only Sitting can lay on, on the, the beach. You can only lay on the beach right. so long. Sandy, there's, there's salt water. I like the beach. Love sharks. The beach. And like ride my bike. On the beach, yeah. I mean, there's only so. I mean, have, if I had nothing to do in all free time, I'm trying to figure out how to. Uh, yeah, you'd find something. Yeah, I'd either. You know, it's funny. I'd either be like really in shape. If that was the case, like just ripped, shredded, <laughs> or I'd be so fat. Like there's no in between. I don't know. With the trend of snacks tonight, we're kind of leaning towards the last. Yeah, but I would have like like I'm a person of like some extremes at times. I can have extreme behavior. Really? Like I like really? going all in. I never noticed. Yeah, you never noticed. I like going all in either way. So I'd have gone all in, like just healthy and working out and just just ripped. Which I'm sure that's the choice my wife would hope I'd choose. Or I'd go the other way of just being a lazy, I mean, you playing golf, <laughs> playing on the beach. I mean, let's be honest with you. You've got some body parts that may not let you. Yeah, but you, you can, I can work around that. I can work around that. Yeah. I mean, there's, you know, I could, I could figure that out. Heck of it, half of it is just diet and like just doing some just workouts. Will to go do it too. Yeah. So, but hmm. I'm gonna be busy for a while, so I don't have to worry about either of those things. I'll just stay kind of medium fat <laughs> for the time being. <laughs> Was that plump? Is that what they call that? I don't know what medium fat is. I'm like, you know, if you wear the right clothes, you look decent. If you don't, you're in trouble. (laughs) (laughs) Just wear bigger clothes. I like that. I love that. Uh, All right. That'll do it for our first hour. Tony, we've got another hour ahead. That was fun. That went fast. I know, right? It's so much more like relaxing without Pete here. Yeah, you know, we can get our thoughts out. <laughs> we can dig deep on snacks and oh, schedules. Snacks. I love Pete. I miss Pete. I can't. He's up at uh, I think at Minnesota today, right? Is it Minnesota? Yeah, he's up in Minnesota. I couldn't he, remember exactly so, where. It's like I'll say nice things because he's not here, but he is just such a joy to do the show with, and it was uh, great having him up again with us. It was fun. It was fun. A lot of fun. Uh, second hour ahead, we'll get to the top stories of the week so far. We'll keep it real. So we haven't done that yet. Uh, we'll get to the Fanatics fan questions as well. This is Jaguars Happy Hour on the Jaguars Digital Network. I think there's a lot of good positive takeaways from from tonight, you know, with the with the starters and, and feel good there. And and um, you know, the young guys are going to learn. There were some good things that they did, um, but you know, obviously the the the, the 
sort of the obvious things, right? Or, or you know, we can't turn the ball over uh, in the red zone. We got we got points there again, uh, potentially, and you know, um, you know, we got to tackle better, and you know, th things of that nature in the second half. But I think if you look at where we are as um, starters, you know, uh, I think we're right on track to where we where we need to be and where we want to be, and, and that gives us a lot of. Um, a lot of hope as we head into the, you know, head into the regular season. That's head coach Doug Peterson after the game Saturday. Welcome back. It's hour number two of Jaguars Happy Hour. J.P. Shadrick with Hall of Famer Tony Baselli. No Pete Prisco tonight. Your social media questions coming up in just a little bit. Of course, the Jaguars fell to the Steelers 16-15 in preseason week two. The offense moved the ball, but then stalled near and at least in one instance in the red zone. Had to settle for field goal tries. Trevor Lawrence, 14 of 21, 133 yards through the air. Some good things, some misses still. Christian Kirk made his Jaguars debut in the preseason, targeted eight times with five receptions and 54 yards. The right tackle competition continues. Jawan Taylor and Walker Little. There were a pair of missed field goals. That has been um, all over social media this uh, past couple days uh, he missed him from 51 and 57 though starting defense looked good against the run once again some pass rush moments as well the Steelers two-minute drive ended in a touchdown before half Tyson Campbell blasted George Pickens at one point his college teammate at Georgia and now speaking of Georgia it's on to Flowery Branch to practice for two days against the Atlanta Falcons ahead of the preseason week three game this coming Saturday at Mercedes-Benz Stadium in downtown Atlanta I think that about covers it, Tony. Sounds good to me. All right, we'll see you next week. That's it for Jack. No, so <laughs> that's where that's the state of affairs. That's right quite now. a that's quite a summary there, JP. I, yeah. mean, I, I was sitting here wondering. I'm like, maybe JP's just He's going carry the whole second just hour. Literally, just going monologue. You know, I think he's like the late great Vin Scully, just no, carrying, no, no, carrying no, no. the broadcast no, by no, himself. Yeah, that's, I mean, no, no, I don't think so. So we mentioned the first hour, the right tackle battle. Yep. You think Jawan Taylor is ahead? Yeah, I do. I mean, I think right now, based on, you know, all the information, the body of work, you know, preseason, I mean, the you know, OTAs, training camp, preseason games, you know, Juwan getting healthy after I think it was the hamstring or whatever he had going yes. into camp. Uh, I think you put it all together. Um, their performance, I think Juwan has the lead right now. I think if Doug Peterson had to, which he doesn't, name a starter, he would name Juwan Taylor. And the interesting thing it will be is when does he name the starter? Right. And I think we'll get a good picture of where they are in this evaluation process during um, practice in Atlanta. So both you and I will be up there. Oh, you're going? Yeah. All right. Yeah, I'm, I'll be there for practice. I didn't realize that. I'll be there for the fun stuff. Oh, cool. There's a there's a possibility I might not. Oh, we don't. Yeah. I'm, not going, I'm just, I just I didn't know you were coming to practice. Yeah, I'll be there. Yeah, for both Wednesday and Thursday. All right. I think we're like trying to get the crew together, go do a little dinner Wednesday night. Well, I haven't heard that yet. Well, Maybe so I'm not on the list. No, you're know. on the list. It was talked about in the uh, booth during the oh, okay, uh, good during the game. Well, I mean, I appreciate that invitation. I might be nice. treating, so you're invited. Thanks for Tony. other reasons. You know I'm, tr I'm treating for other reasons. <laughs> Very nice. Thank yeah. you. Uh, well, it's not really voluntary. So I'll order big. Yes, I'm sure you will. Um, uh, but I think we'll get a good look or a good sense of where they are in this process of naming a starter during those two practices. Like, 
if all of a sudden you go to the ones and Juwan Taylor's getting the majority of the reps with the ones. That would make sense. Okay. Now we kind of get a sense. Now, if they're still flipping every two plays, well, then you know it's wide open still. And then I would probably expect those guys to play in the final preseason game possibly. Because mm. maybe the competition is close enough where they, yeah. they want to see it and do an evaluation. Um, I would be shocked if they both played. Now, the guy who doesn't win the job might play. Sure, um, sure. Just because you have to have you bodies. Have bodies out there to play. Right. Um, but I think we'll g- get a good sense come the Atlanta practices. It feels like they've figured out the left guard. Barch was in there as the starter in practice last week and then was in there in the game. And, it, you know, Shatley was snapping the ball with the second team. Yeah, I mean, that's – I mean, Ben Barch is going to be your starting left guard. There you go. For, the, for the, at least going into the season. Now, he had a couple things. I mean, he's still – he does good things you like, um, and he's had a good camp overall, but he still stops his feet in the pass game, and he'll get straight-legged, and he'll lose guys late. And that's something he really has to work on, and it'll allow him to be more consistent if he can keep some good body position with knee bend and keep moving those feet and working throughout the play. And he just – his feet stop, his legs straighten up, and then he gets tossed. And we saw, I saw that a couple times. One that jumped out. Um, that created a late pressure. The ball was gone. Um, but the, the flash of the jersey in front of Trevor, you never know how that impacts a quarterback. So, but he's going to be your starting left guard. And I think Shatley will be that rotational swing guy, center, both guards. And he's a better center than guard, Shatley is. So they're, they, they're in good hands with Fortner as the starting center and Shatley backing him up. All right, let's go to quarterback now, Tony. Uh, Trevor Lawrence, there were a few misses, misfires earlier in the game, it felt like, but then he f- had some fantastic throws. The one on the sideline over the defender was, was great. Found Christian Kirk on the second level a little bit later in the game, I believe. And so there was some positive things, some things to work on, and that's what this preseason's for for Trevor, trying to figure out this offense. And he had a full assortment of wide receivers out there, too. That helps. Yeah, we'll talk about, I want to talk about the receivers in a second, but let's start with Trevor Lawrence. Interesting, and it's just a coincidence, I'm sure. He was inconsistent with his accuracy the first two series against Cleveland and then came out that third series against Cleveland, the preseason game before, and lit it up. Yes. And then this week against the Steelers, inconsistent on the mm. first two drives. Hmm. Missed a couple guys that would have extended the drive. It should be easy throws. Hmm. Opening the opening play was the slant. He threw way behind to Zay Jones. Hmm. Um, and then from the third series on, he's lights out making like all pro throws. Hmm. How do you uh, remedy that? I have no idea. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. do you just start faster? Hey, do Trevor, have a longer warm up? Like, Trevor, I whispered into his ear right before kickoff. This is the third series. Third <laughs> series, Trevor. <laughs> I don't know. Let Bethard start and he starts the third drive? No, I don't know. no, 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 no. I'm kidding. I think it's, you know, and he <laughs> talked about it after the game. I, a lot of his inaccuracy in those first couple of drives were his feet. Just get his feet settled. And some of that can be just really having, you know, just full of adrenaline and pumped and excited to get the game going, and it just takes him a little bit of time to settle in, which I'm sure he'll be – you know, he can work on. He can adjust that. That's not a problem. Um, his his good moments are so good, and he is so impressive. And I love how he stands in the pocket. Body's flying around. He's fearless, and he just – when man, when he – gets those feet set, that ball comes out, and it is just – he makes some throws. It's like 
there's only a handful of guys in this league who can make that throw. And uh, so I, I am excited to see him continue to progress under um, Doug Peterson and Press Taylor and, you know, Mike McCoy, the quarterback coach. He has a good group of coaches around him. You know he's a hard worker. You know it's important to him. So I think this is a, a season where you're going to see Trevor get better and better as the season goes on. Jaguars defense, Tony, another uh, good day against the run. Uh, they had some pass rush in some instances, but the Steelers on the two-minute drive before halftime went right down the field on them. Kenny Pickett leading the way, and they found the end zone right before half. Yeah, and that's a bummer because they played dominant, like like steel curtain to steal the oh, wow. from the Steelers. Flipped uh, it around I on mean, them. That, that's what type of defense. They couldn't run the ball. The, the pass rush was killing the quarterback and making a move around. They couldn't get on – they were having trouble getting first downs. They were causing penalties. I mean, it was a really good effort. And then all of a sudden, you know, two-minute drive, and you have the rookie quarterback in there. I was thinking, okay, three and out and get the ball right back. And maybe you have, you know, 45 seconds or so to go do something with it. Next thing you know, Kenny Pickett's tossing the ball in the end zone. It's like, what? What happened? <laughs> and it was way too easy. And now the, they got some decent rush, and he was getting hit. But he was delivering the ball on time finding the right guy. Guys are running open. Um, so that's a good – you never worry about that happening in the preseason because what it does, it gives you great t- coaching tape and teaching opportunities for Mike Caldwell will say, okay, this is what we did wrong and this is how we need to correct it. I go back to 17 when one of the – probably maybe the best defense in the history of this franchise, led by Clays Campbell and, and Jalen Ramsey. They were dominant in 17. If you remember during the preseason, they couldn't stop the run. They were getting gashed. Yeah, that's right. And we're like, oh. and and by the way, the offense couldn't run the ball. Well, then all of a sudden you get in the regular season, we're we're running the ball like crazy, and we got a defense that's smothering. They had ten sacks week one. Yeah, so it's like, <laughs> like what is going on? Yeah, here? so it's like okay, like so you 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 never want to make too much good or bad about the now if it's really bad and it's just like what we've seen in the past penalties and disorganization and everything else you worry, but if it's schemes and guys having mental errors and little breaks here or there, those are all coaching opportunities for the staff to get everyone on the same page. Yeah, it seems like the operation is good. The plays are getting in. The huddle's being broken. And all that's fine. It's just football after that. Absolutely. I mean, so that's I, good. I mean, and low It gives pe- you a chance to go work on that stuff. How about low penalties? How about the pre-snap right. penalties have been so low? Now, they had the delay game. At the end of it was half. weird. Yeah. <laughs> like coming out of a timeout. Like, <laughs> what are we doing there here? There was no urgency. Hey, guys, the they, clock's ticking. Well, you know? they knew they were just running the ball out. Just to, <laughs> right. like to run, Which I never understood. Like, if at the end of the half, if you're not going to try to go for it, like a two-minute drive, why would you even risk handing it off? Yeah, just kneel down. I right? guess – the counter argument is, you know, if you're Doug Peterson says, listen, we're going to run a, a safe play, but what if it breaks? Or it's preseason. We need to work on this running play. Well, Let's hand it you off. You see it in the regular season. You te- see teams do that. <laughs> and so, I mean, the only thing you think of is like, hey, it's a low percentage. Something bad's going to happen. But there's also the possibility of like hit the running back bouncing out and taking yeah. it to the house. Especially if you have a guy. I, don't, I forget who carried that ball. But uh, if it's ETN. I don't think it was ETN. I thought it was uh, Snoop. Snoop. Yeah. Either so, way. All right, so uh, three preseason games down for the Jaguars, one to go in Atlanta this Saturday. Hey, we're going to come back, Tony. Okay. Whether they like it or not. Hey, what are we doing? Are we doing it? We're going to keep it real. Keeping it real. Oh, yeah. Looking forward to keeping it real. Because the first hour and 15 minutes. We were fake. So fake. It was all made up. It's now. It's for real. Starting now. We are back in a moment. It is 
Jaguars Happy Hour on the Jaguars Digital Network. Yeah, that was something we talked about this week and wanted to do better in is the third down scenarios. And I felt like the first unit was able to do that tonight. Um, And, you know, we still missed. You know, we still missed some opportunities, which, uh, again, we got a little time here to learn from and correct. And and, uh, as we we finish up uh, camp here in a week or so. Head coach Doug Peterson on third downs this past Saturday. Welcome back. Jaguars happy hour. J.P. Shadrick with the Hall of Famer, Tony Vaselli. No Pete Prisco. He'll be back with us, at least scheduled to be uh, next Monday, which is, um, what is next Monday? Is that Labor Day yet, or is that too no, early? are we doing a show on Labor Day? Yes. Yes, we are. Well, uh, we are. I don't know if you are. I mean, you I can. I might take a Pete Prisco. Schedule, you might have an autograph session I might take night. a Pete Prisco day. What if we did a show live from one of your autograph sessions? Let's not. Can you imagine that? Yeah, let's not. Um, that would be something. So we are doing Labor Day. Okay, I got to. Move some things around. Oh, you're scheduled. It's a holiday. We do a show every year on that day. I know, and I always complain about it every year, so I might as well stay consistent. I think we had this conversation the last seven years. We have, so I'm just staying consistent. Just telling you, Uh, just you know, might want to clear your calendar. Uh, I'm, I, I or will, not, hey, or Pete no, and I, I will, can do the show. No, and, no, no. You know, no, like no, we I did can, a couple times after London. Like you didn't, you decided to stay in London for some reason. For and some all of a sudden, reason, there's an ocean work. in the way. You can't do a show anymore. It's because I was with clients. I'm just saying. Um, and that was before we had all this great technology where I could join by Zoom or whatever, or or Skype or whatever the dang thing we use. Uh, <laughs> I don't know what it is. No, but I, 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 there's a better than not chance I will not be in studio on Labor Day because I'm supposed to, I'm going to be on a boat somewhere. I'm going to be in Colorado. Uh, oh, nice. With uh, celebrating my uh, cousin's 50th birthday, who I grew up with. Very like nice. Brother. Happy birthday. Yes. It's actually his wife's birthday. Happy early. Wait a minute. Hold on. What? Well, listen. <laughs> Hold on. The story has changed. You're flopping like a fish. They're, we're very Unbelievable. close. The, they were at Canton. They've come, they've come, they were in LA for when I, after the honor show, they flew there and then they flew to Canton and it's her 50th birthday. It's so going to be, they've supported next, me. Next is going to be my cousin's wife's neighbor. <laughs> they've birthday. supported me. So I want to support them. Dog. Unbelievable. I, I'm beat. I'm going to join virtually. Just relax. You never celebrated my birthday. Cause you never invited me. Maybe I don't celebrate. Who's going to come? Yeah, you don't have very many friends, no, that's right. for sure. Um, so can we go back to something I said last segment about the receivers? Oh, yeah. Uh, this is the full uh, assortment of receivers for the first time this preseason. Christian Kirk was out there. That was a good thing. Yeah, it was great. And it, you could tell that Trevor wanted to get Christian the ball. Now, you also could argue that's just what's going to happen this year because it was what's happened in training camp practices as well. I mean, he is a – you know, the big, the big question was, and it probably will be for until – you know, you get some more games under this offense's belt, is could he go from being the number three receiver at Arizona to a number one guy? Doug and Trent in this organization bet with their pocketbooks that he is a number one receiver. I'd say. And there was a lot of consternation across the league of why is, are they paying Christian Kirk that much money? 
based on early returns of training camp in the one preseason game, kudos to Doug and Trent because they said this is the guy that we want because we see what he can do as the number one threat. Now, again, temperate, grain of salt, preseason, practice, doesn't, you know, great. But I'll say this, and I said we we were talking about it in the break. You look at the history of this organization since Keenan and Jimmy were here, the two greatest receivers in this franchise's history. This is the best group. I'll give you. I mean, give me another group that can contend. Allen Robinson and Allen Hearns had statistics for a year. Okay, let me ask you a question. I'll just give you that. That's it. Are you? I'm not saying they're better than this group. I'm I'm, I'm just asking you a question. I'm taking nothing away from the two Allens. Yeah. It was Allen Robinson, Allen Hearns, and Marquise Lee. Those were the three, right? That's correct. Would you take those three, or would you take Zay Jones, Marvin Jones, and Christian Kirk? You're right. This is a veteran group that knows how to play. It feels like. Yeah. Right. This might be the most veteran receiver starting trio I can remember. I'll give you that. Well, I mean, Everybody, I, I, not to the matters what, how old you are. If you can play, you can play. But you I know. just think this is going to be a really good group. You know, they need to stay healthy. I, I, I love Zay Jones. I love his speed. I love what he can do. I think, you know, he hasn't put up huge numbers in his career. Um, but he's always been kind of that third guy. It'll be interesting who will be that number two. Is it Marvin Jones or Zay Jones? I think Christian Kirk's definitely your number one. Uh, but I think both those guys, I mean, all three, it was fun to watch them all in the field. And I'm really excited to see what Doug will do with those three receivers. And think about this. You'll have situations where you could have one, two of those three receivers plus Dan Arnold and Evan Ingram on the field at all the same mm-hmm. time. Correct. Absolutely. That's pretty cool. Well, that, yeah, it gives you some options. Right. I mean, it gives you a ton of options. I mean, you have. I mean, this goes from a team that you're looking around for the last couple of years, like who can get open, who's going to create separation, um, to a group of guys that are threats, and a guy like Christian Kirk who knows how to get open, Zay Jones who can really run, a professional receiver in Marvin Jones who I, I think as the number one last year is tough because I don't think that's really what he is, Mm-mm. but that's what he was asked to do with that group. But in his role as the number two or number three guy, I think is really good. And then you have Evan Ingram, who can flat move at the tight end position. Dan Arnold, who we saw is elusive and understands and as athletic. I mean, you have five guys that all of a sudden you can get something done. Now, they got to prove it out, and they got to show in the regular season that they're dynamic and they can, you know, when it counts. But early returns after seeing them, the three of them on the field, together against Pittsburgh. It was uh, good stuff, especially Christian Kirk. Tony, you ready to sell some wine? Oh, yeah, I forgot we are keeping it real. It's that was to, my first keeping it real part. It's time to keep it real, presented by Woodbridge by Robert Mondavi. Open up a winner today, Real Ingredients, award-winning wine by Robert Mondavi. You just kept it real on the wide receivers. That was keeping it real on the receivers. Now, what I know there's another keeping it oh, real yeah. question. Oh, we're going to go back to the offensive line because I feel like you – are an expert of sorts in that area. Uh, would you play the starting offensive line against the Falcons no. to get them on the field together? No, I would not. Even if they've just no. decided it in practice? No. Do you, so you don't believe there needs to be a drive, a quarter, no. just to get those five on the field? No. Against a team going They've line. already been on the field. Why not? Because they've already been on the field as a five. 
They've done it with both Juwan Taylor and um, Walker Little. Mm-hmm. They did it multiple times against the Steelers. Mm-hmm. And the risk is not worth it. Like You're going to have physical practices against the Falcons up there for two days. You're going to get a ton of work. Play the backups. Get through this last preseason game. And then you basically, not basically, you do have two weeks yeah. of prep before you play the Commanders up in D.C. So you have plenty of time. I would not play any of the starters. I wouldn't play a starter on the team. Anybody. In the last preseason game. 22 guys. Just drink some Gatorade. Stay involved like Doug Peterson wants them to yeah, do. Yeah, stay involved. Be a part of it. Work yeah. with the young guys. Which they I, did a good job this past week. They always do. I think yeah. this team's – I've been impressed with this team. They've yeah. all, they None of them get distracted and start, you know – Messing around and, no. you know, causing a scene or being ridiculous. No, I they're, mean, they're pros. And they're so, in the huddle helping the, the reserve guys. I, yeah. wouldn't, I wouldn't play any of them if I'm Doug. Zero. Got to get to the starting gate of like, the season. You, like, you got two preseason games. You're having two practices with Atlanta. If anything, I wish they had had another, like, uh, practice with another team. Oh, like two weeks a, of that. Two yeah. weeks of that. I'd rather have that. I mean, it's too late now, obviously, but – no, I think they've – no. Get your starters, get them out, get ready for the commanders. There you have it. We just kept it real, presented by Woodbridge by Robert Mondavi. Open up a winner today, Real Ingredients Award-winning wine by Robert Mondavi. Looking forward to that case. For a while. Yeah, I, I have a good sense that Robert's going to be sending me some stuff. Listen, Bob, we're Mr. waiting on cases Bob. over here. Mr. Mondavi. Sir, let's come back. Hey, social media questions, fanatics, fan questions. We're loaded up with the fanatics questions. A lot of them tonight. Yeah. We're going to get some answers, some more answers out of you when we come back. It is Jaguars Happy Hour on the Jaguars Digital Network. I think dynamic pass rushers, you know, uh, Smoot's a little different. You know, he's more of a bull type guy. He's physical and strong. Arden's quick and slithery and and uh, can bend. And uh, I think both of them have unique skills that uh, obviously we can, you know, we can exploit defensively uh, for us. And uh, uh, I think they're both having a really good camp right now. That's head coach Doug Peterson on DeWan Smoot and Arden Key. I've never been called quick or slithery or good bend. Well, any I, th- of that. I think there's probably certain people who've called you slithery I don't know for different that. reasons. <laughs> That's Tony Vaselli. I'm J.P. Shadrick. A little, uh, little uh, on the shady <laughs> side. Jaguars happy hour. <laughs> I can neither confirm nor deny. <laughs> hey, let's go to social media because, Tony, I know you're a, a social media maven. Yes. Big on social media. It's time for the Fanatics fan questions. Jaguars fans are gearing up and saving big at Fanatics.com. Shop today and rep your Jags gear on game day and every day. Fanatics.com officially licensed everything. And I mean everything. Question number one. At Zach Bierman on Twitter. It seems that on offense, wide receivers are open and we're seeing more chunk plays. What percentage of this is due to opposing teams playing vanilla defense? And what percentage is tied to upgrades at the skill positions? And we need specific percentages. And I actually think you're missing a category. Um, offensive coordinator, game planning, and offensive mm, scheme. Okay. Helping guys get open. How would you divide those three? So, at this time, I'm going to give 50% mm. 
No, that's not true. I'm going to go 30% vanilla defenses. Okay. And 35% skill set and 35% coaching. That all adds up to 100. Yeah. Good job. I did the math. Good. That's it. That's it. I think I answered that question. So it's kind of split almost evenly according to those numbers. Yeah, I was I was going to go like 20% vanilla defenses and then 40-40. I could I, I could be talked into that as well. I'm but not going to argue with there's you. There's definitely some it's very scientific as you know. I could tell. There's I mean, listen, defenses are playing vanilla stuff. But you still got to get open. And we've done a good job of getting open. Our next question at Nick underscore Carlberg. Should the first teamers, both offense and defense, play this weekend? No. Move on. No. I already we just talked about it. I was I keeping that. it real. Like that's bad. That is bad producing. Whoever produced this segment <laughs> I, should have tied wow, I the should question. Be more slithery next time. Yes, you gotta slither more, JP. It, like you shouldn't have that back to back questions well, like that. I, I just answered it. In. I wanted to get a response out of you and it well, worked. You just did. Good. It's the Go whole on. idea. Maybe I produced perfectly no, in that poor, case. Poor producing. How about that? At S. Boston 2587, should people be so hard on Walker Little for allowing the best, best pass rusher in the league to beat him one time for a sack? He's a second-year player to new position one-on-one against a guy who had 22-and-a-half last year. Well, you, you know you have to block these type of people in the regular season, too. So should we just say, oh, just let him get it. Oh, it's okay. Go ahead, TJ. Go ahead, TJ. You're a pro bowler. You're an MVP. We don't care. And again, I don't know who's being overly hard on Walker Little. I mean, I think at least on this show, and we've—I mean, I'm a big fan of Walker Little. Think he has a ton of potential and has the opportunity to be a really good player in this league. That doesn't mean you can't be critical of things that he needs to do better or point out, you know, mistakes or where he can improve. I don't think anyone's trying to cut Walker Little. I mean, he's competing for a starting job in the NFL. He must be pretty good. Um, and he's competing against a guy who started every game in three years and not has not missed a game. So I, I just, I mean, I, I'm not even sure what the question, like, I don't know who, who's being hard on him. I don't know. I would guess some fans probably saw that clip and were like, well, oh, I mean, listen, hey. guys, I mean, guys are going to get beat in the offensive line. I mean, you have to look at the entire body of work guys. I mean, guys get sacks. I mean, TJ White had 22 and a half of them last year. Yeah. Tied the league record. So, yeah. I mean, the guy's a good player. If you were playing a regular season, you probably, you'd have a game plan for that guy. It was a good test, good learning opportunity for Walker Little. I mean, the reason he got beat is not because he doesn't have the ability to block him. He got beat because it was a bad set. Did a bad technique. Didn't do a good job on that play. To me, that, okay, positive. Let's learn from it. I have confidence that if Walker Little does it right from a technique standpoint, which he is capable of doing, he blocks T.J. Watt. Does that mean he'll never get beat? No. That's, this isn't a video game. <laughs> I mean, Madden just came out, but I love Madden, yeah. but it's not a video game. I mean, guy, I mean, listen, you, it's it's a competition, and the, TJ Watt's a good player. You know, side note, we yes. we just mentioned Madden. You know, all these players, and they promote all these, you know, the ninety the ninety nine club and all that. Yeah. Who has the ninety nine overall rating? Do you know the only player that has a one hundred rating in the history of Madden? You don't, you don't know who that was? No. You, my friend, Tony Baselli. Really? Yes. I think in 98 game or 99 game. I had 100? They give you a 100 rating. It's the only time it's ever happened. They haven't done it again. I think they made the mistake. They're like, oh, we can't. Oof. 
Well, so I like I couldn't be beat. You didn't know that? No. Yeah. It's like I, I read that going into the before I went up the Hall of Fame. Shouldn't I get like some like like a like they should put you in that Hall of Fame? I too. want like a I want a Madden hundred shirt. Like you see those Madden <laughs> ninety nine shirts, yeah, jewelry and things. Like what no, are you doing? but I want. Don't they make them like I've seen shirts like where it says Madden ninety nine. Like where I want the Madden one hundred because guess how many guys can wear that? One. one. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah, how about that? I did not know that, JP. I'll Thank have to you. go make sure that's right. But yeah, that, <laughs> <laughs> gotta go find the article. Let's again. just go with it. But yeah, it sounds good. No, I think I think I, I, I'll gonna, find I, it. I'm I'll gonna Google it. it. Yeah, Google it. Uh, yeah, that's scientific. Everett uh, J E, how high a priority would it be getting a consistent field goal kicker for the Jaguars? <laughs> Very. <laughs> would you be willing to trade a mid or low round draft pick for a solid veteran kicker? And are you, Tony, I'm just going to add on to this Everett J.E.'s question. He didn't ask this, but I am. Are you, uh, have you seen enough of Santoso to know? Um, I would be surprised if he's the kicker going in. I think they're going to go find, there's a couple big, uh, I think there's a couple big uh, battles going on. Jeff talked about it. I think one's an indie and I don't. There's another one. I'm not sure where. But I, yeah, I don't know if you have to trade for those guys. They're going to cut them most likely. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Put them on practice squad. So I doubt you'd have to trade for a guy. I, I just found it by the way. It was the Madden '99 game. You were the only offensive lineman to ever to have. Yeah, because I was going to say Barry, Deion Sanders and Barry Sanders in 1999 had hundreds. Yeah, that's right. Barry Sanders, Jerry Rice, Shannon Sharp, Mark. Shimura for the Packers tied in. Uh, Tony Baselli, you might have heard of him, and Dion. So oh, you're the only offensive lineman. So why don't we all get 100 shirts? It's a great question. That maybe that's the elite club Dion was talking about <laughs> on social media the other week. I was just going into you that. Know, I don't know. Maybe that's what he meant by that. <laughs> I want to. I don't. Maybe I'm onto something here. Maybe he's hinting because the game was coming out. Hey. The, Need a different jacket, right? I don't know. That's a great. That's a good line. Thank you. Uh, our next question from at Brad underscore DS Sports. Your thoughts on Lavisca Chenault and his attempts at returning kicks? I would rather see him run actual routes in the passing game. Well, that last part's a comment, but um, what did you make of Lavisca Chenault and the punt returns? Um, I don't think he's a punt returner. Now, well, I know he has never been one. And I'm it, it, to me it's I'm not even gauging it on his first misjudgment of the catch, the high punt. It was a great punt, by the way. And he just misjudged it. I mean, guys have done that. He caught the next one very clean. It sounds like a familiar tune to the offensive line conversation. We well, just my point sometimes, is it's like one yeah, play. You can't right, make a judgment. And then he had the next one he caught very well. But he does not look like he has like I think you have to have some speed and suddenness. And he did not look overly quick. Once he fielded the punt and tried to do something with it, has he? Does he look quick in the passing game? No, either. No, okay. not to me. Right, but he's a big body, catches the ball, run after catch. He rarely goes to the ground. Yeah, I mean, you know, so I, like, I'm not, I, I think there's a role for him in the offense. I don't think it's as a punt returner, hmm. which is not offense. That'd be special teams. I don't think there's. A, like there's a role in this team for him. Let me say it that way. I don't think it's as a punt returner. If you missed the game, he has a punt return Here touchdown in college. <laughs> it was his first touch as a collegiate player. 
as a freshman in 2017. Colorado played Texas State. But he recovered the fumble of the punt returner and then returned at the 55 remaining yards for a touchdown. So no official punt returns, but one touchdown. Question number six on social media. We're on a roll tonight. This is at Bortles Nation. What's up, Blake? Uh, is it unrealistic to think Allen, Walker, and Key could all get eight-plus sacks this season? Go Jags. Um, no, I don't think it's unreasonable. No, I don't at all. That'd be, what, eight times three is 24? Yeah, I think that's very possible. They all have capabilities. They're all good players. Um, I think, you know... Let's hope uh, – my hope is, you know, in a perfect world, it would be great if Josh Allen got, you know, 13 to 15 where he became that dominant pass rusher that I think he has the capability of being. I think Tra- Trayvon going from anywhere from six to nine would be a great year. And then Arden Key's interesting. At six last year, get him more reps, and, boy, he looks good at that three-technique rushing. You know, get him at eight. I, like, I can buy into that. I'm good with that. That'd be pretty good for everybody, I think. Yeah, I would take that. Putting up numbers like that. All right, let's get our final question of the night. We had a lot of contributions today on social media. Uh, this is from at Duval underscore Gator. What did you guys think of the finger wag from Trevor? He needs to do more of that. Show this team and the fans that we're for real and know it. The arrow is pointing way up. Hashtag confident, not cocky. Hashtag Duval. Um, I don't remember. When did he... It was after the play, the throw to the sideline that went just out of the defender's reach on the sideline. He there. waved the finger. He did a finger wag to that guy after Ooh, the Ooh, I didn't How see that. How about that? Like a Dikembe Mutombo. I like uh, that. Uh, uh. I like a little little juice, a little mojo, a little statement. Yeah. How about that? Being made by uh, Trevor Lawrence. I'm good with it. Wave the finger because that means you're doing good stuff. Right. If you don't like the finger wag, then like intercept the, the football. Let's not. I don't want that to happen either, though. Well, no, but yeah, I'm, I'm with you on that. I mean, maybe not like Miami Hurricanes 1987, but you know, hey, you know, the same thing for them. If you don't like us dancing in the end zone, don't let us score. Well, yeah, listen, I agree with that. Now, I'm surprised hearing that because that doesn't like. I don't think his Trevor Lawrence is that type of guy. I don't think it was like in his face, but there's a there's a replay on social media of like the, the uh, close up a shot when after that play he was finger wagging. It wasn't like in the guy's face. Oh, okay, yeah, I, I, that, yeah. yeah, that doesn't, it wasn't that. Like, it was that like, doesn't uh, seem uh, like Trevor's personality. Yeah, I wonder what makes Trevor mad. I've yet to see him get mad. Have you? You don't know. No. I'm not around him all the time. No, I'm not either. I mean, I wonder if like he just, what uh, does he ever just like grab the offensive line and say, "What the hell are you doing?" Protect me. Yeah. I would say Alabama, but he beat them. He did beat them. Um, hmm. That's a good question. Yeah, I don't know. I'd be curious to talk to him. He's and, pretty mild. And, I mean, he's a pretty composed. He's not, I was going to say mild manner. That's the wrong way to describe him. He's a very composed, mature individual that is very steady, never too high, never too low, which I think is good for a quarterback. But I also like every once in a while. You got to rattle some cages. Seeing my right? quarterback, like I love, like Tom Brady's the best. Like he like will let you know when he's excited and like pump, you know, good. He's running out for warmups. You kidding me? He runs right down the field. A good he's fit, yelling, but a good fist pump. Yeah. And then he, like if it goes wrong, he's not a lot, he's not afraid to get after people on the sideline. I like that too. 
But yeah. it's got to be, you know, it has to be part of who you are and your personality because otherwise it's not authentic. And guys will read right through oh, that too, like right? It's, like you watch Tom Brady, he, it's authentic. You know it's coming from like the depths of his soul. And then, you know, other guys are just more even keeled and, you know, don't get too high, don't get too low. And I'm good with either. But I do like a little fire. Speaking of Tom Brady, we will get to that story. He's back to practice today. He's back. I wonder where he th- – We'll find out. Did they say? No. Did, I'm so curious. I haven't heard at least. We'll uh, speculate when we return. Thank you for your submissions on social media today. You can always ask Tony anything at Tony Baselli. Absolutely. On Twitter. I'm, a, I'm not the most responsive Twitter guy. But He's busy. His schedule is slammed right now. With autograph sessions and snack time. Snack time's big. Treadmill, maybe not. Uh, Yeah, not much. We'll go around the NFL. When we come back, it's Jaguars Happy Hour on the Jaguars Digital Network. Welcome back, Jaguars Happy Hour on a Monday. J.P. Shadrick with Hall of Famer and member of the 100 Club on Madden 99, Tony (laughs) Baselli. Pete Prisco is not here. I wish he was for this. (laughs) Oh, that's not going to go away for a while. I still can't believe you didn't know that. I did not. I thought that'd be in your resume. No. I did not know that. It, you, you learn something new every day. You had to always be learning, JP. You had to be curious about life. That's my perspective. Of I it. mean, it's, it's a deep thought from you. It really is. And it makes sense. Because if you, you know, you're either getting better or you're getting worse. <laughs> That's true. You know? <laughs> Let's go around the NFL. Tom Brady... Is no boy. He's forty-five years old. He just seems to be getting better and better. But maybe not this training camp. He hasn't been there for eleven days. He showed up today, though. It was his first practice since August eleventh. He was out for personal reasons, and all people have been told it doesn't have to do with his health or the health of any family member. I don't believe he spoke today. There's been a. I don't know if you followed this on social. I media. saw the mass singer <laughs> tryout. There's no way. Can you imagine if he try or did a, a taping of the Mass Singer and missed two weeks of training camp? Um, if it's Antonio Brown or something, okay, that would make that would kind of fit his personality. But that's not Tom Brady's personality, is it? No, I can't imagine. But I, the, I was reading up on this. No, to answer, I don't think that's his personality. <laughs> but reading up on, I don't think this is like the first time he's missed camp. Like, I, like. If I was reading back and I read it right, I think he missed some, not maybe this long, not two weeks, but he missed a few days here or there when he was with the Patriots as well. Did I read that right? Did you read that or am I, make, I, am I, I making read that, that up? But it, doesn't, it makes sense that, you know, he could do that up there and get away with that too. Guess what? They had the offense installed. They well, knew what they were doing. And here's the thing. Do you really think it impacts Tom Brady or the veteran receiving crew that he has as far as timing or anything else, because you also I also know this about Tom Brady. He is a extremely hard worker during the offseason of spending time with his, you know, doing what it takes to be ready to go. Um, and he's now he has three weeks to be ready for opening day. I think Tom Brady will be just fine. I don't think it's going to impact anything. It was a story. It was fun to talk about, but I see zero impact coming regular season. What song would he sing in The Masked Singer? And what would he wear? 
I've never seen the show, so I don't even know. Don't like, lie, Tony. I've never don't seen the show. Don't lie to me. I, I can tell when you're lying. I saw a commercial, like people in outfits, and they sing. And I don't. Is, are you supposed to guess who they are? Yeah, it's. It doesn't make any sense to me either. I've never seen it, so I don't know. I don't know how in the hell you know who's in there. Like, how do you just guess? Oh, uh, Derek Jeter's in there somehow. Can't like, you I don't tell know. that they're bad singers? But I don't think it sounds like the person singing. I don't know. I don't haven't watched the show enough. I, I I've never seen the show. Never seen one episode. Outside of a promotion on TV when I'm watching a sporting event, no idea. Outside of they wear masks or outfits. But did you see it? I mean, I think I saw it. It, it might have been after the Super Bowl. I think I just had the TV on still. Oh, and I came know, back you, in the room. You watch it. It was the you, debut maybe. I don't know. <laughs> but, like, you know, how do they guess these obscure people? I, I don't know. And guess what? Don't care. Well, when Tom so Brady pops out of there in a couple of weeks, the story will be complete. I still don't care. You didn't answer my question, though. What song would he sing? I don't know. I, I don't know. Um, okay. All right. Fine. Um, what's a good Bon Jovi song? Living on a Prayer, because Bon Jovi was a big Patriots fan, so maybe he'll sing a Living on a Prayer. See, you know what the show's about. Come on. You're guessing, you're guessing songs now? <laughs> don't act like you don't watch that. I don't watch uh, it. Giants edge rusher Kayvon Thibodeau suffered a knee injury this weekend on a cut block from pulling tight end Thaddeus Moss of the Bengals. Good news, though, he left the game without assistance and without a limp, left the stadium, that is. Uh, he said, quote, I'm good, I'll be back, all good news, end quote. And then some more medical testing today and reports now he'll be out three to four weeks with a sprained MCL. The play is legal, yes, but Tony, is it clean? Yes. If it's legal, it's clean. By the way, that play happens every day. Game on the field, it happens all the time. It's a clean play. Thaddeus Moss did nothing wrong. If anything, like the way that uh, Thibodeau tried to defend it, like, get your hands on him, like move your feet, you know. So it's partly on him. He's got to know how to I'm, avoid or. Yeah, I mean, I'm not saying it's on anybody. It's football. Yeah. It's a clean play. Like, I, like I'm like i reading on Twitter, like all these people, oh, it's dirty. I'm like, what? I mean, it's dirty. It's legal. It's not a dirty play. Like, come on, give All me right. a break. All right, here's another example, not example of that exactly, but remember um, it was the Buccaneers, and they were playing, I believe, the – oh, gosh, who were they playing? Might have been the Eagles. It doesn't matter. Just tell me the situation. Interception. Warren Sapp lights up the quarterback was coming a, back. No, it wasn't the quarterback. He lit up the offensive tackle. It was against Green Bay. That's right. Again – at the time, now would be a dirty play. It's illegal. It was a crackpot. But at the time. No, it's part of football. It was part of football. Okay. Like, when I covered interceptions. Because like, I remember the head coach came out and was talking to Sap pretty close, and he was like, hey, get a jersey, all that stuff. Yeah, I, like, if it's on. within the rules, it's within the rules. Um, I mean, one of the things when, you know, now. I guess that was Holmgren, wasn't it? That's been a while. I'm glad that they, I mean, I think them out, outlawing a crackback block behind or anywhere for a while it was just behind the play now it's anywhere i think it's the right thing but it's an offensive lineman you knew to keep your head on a swivel because you knew the guys were flying around right. trying to take you out right it's part of the game yeah i don't think if it's part of the game and it's in the rules it is not dirty i mean some of my people think i mean when i played i try to get guys on the ground and if i got on the ground i was dropping my weight and forearm on the back of their where i mean i was going trying, after trying them. to bury them trying to bury them it's a penalty now should that, it be? No, I don't think it should be. I think <laughs> of course it's you a don't. Very good play. Um, is that dirty? 
No, to me, it's part of the game. Play within the rules. If you play within the rules, it's not dirty. Baker Mayfield named the starter for the Carolina Panthers and now reports that he'll play at least the first quarter Friday night in preseason week three. Well, that's in, I, I understand the situation. Matt Rule, I mean, you, you he was splitting reps with Sam Darnold, so they're both competing. He's now your starter. You probably need more reps with him. Like last year when they held everyone out here in Jacksonville, I would not have. I would have played my young guy, some of my young guys because you had a young offense, new system, new quarterback. You needed reps. I, I thought that was one of the big issues, not enough reps for that team last year in the training camp when I'm talking about the Jaguars here. Now thinking about the Panthers, I'm good with that. You want to make sure they're ready to go. Um, how safe is rule? Well, I think this is make or break it. If, if they're not – Competing for the playoffs and maybe getting to the playoffs, he's probably going to get fired. Year three, right? Yeah. I think this is a make or break a year for him. Mm. The Raiders traded quarterback Nick Mullins to the Vikings for a conditional seventh round pick. He's been all over the place. Four years in San Francisco, Philly and Cleveland last year, Vegas this offseason are now traded again. It's a lot of moving, but that happens certainly this time of year, too. Yeah, I mean, guys are trying to, you know, round out the back end of your roster, you know. Who do you get traded from? Raiders to the Vikings. So the Raiders probably had a plethora of corners and depth there and like said, you know, he's probably not going to make the team. Can we find a willing trade trade partner? Maybe someone who's thin right now, like the Vikings, get a late pick, make the move. Yeah, there's our look around the one, one more how about this uh dan campbell let the lions players run practice today the cho- the coaches did not get involved at all in practice today. what does that mean i'm gonna call brunel and ask like what yeah, does that what, actually what did mean you go to the beach like what'd you do up there no i'm gonna call brunel and ask him he's the quarterback coach he, I, I think it's unacceptable no coaching allowed they say they only watched they didn't participate none of the assistants were even at practice at all is what, what this story says what do you mean they were not pra- like like they- not there the players ran the show, apparently, and this is on Pro Football Talk, ran the show in a short practice without full pads, did situational work. The players organized on their own without any coaching. This will all be on hard knocks, apparently, because – That um, seems like a made-for-TV event to me, JP. Yeah. Uh, your boy might have something to do with that. Let me know. tell you what. If I, if I was running that practice, I'd be like, all right. <laughs> let's, get, let's get this done quick, boys. Can you imagine? Here we go. I'd be, I'd be like, I'd yell at people. <laughs> what are you doing? Let's go, sirs. Yeah, listen, Leon. We need more out of you. Hey, Logman, take a lap. <laughs> That's our look around the NFL. I can't, I can't even imagine. I don't even know what that. I mean, what does uh, that even mean? I don't know. What that are we doing? Sounds silly. To what me. are we doing? Yeah. All right, so uh, Jaguars this week head to Atlanta, Flowery Branch, Georgia, just north of Atlanta, out on the lake there to the Falcons Yeah, facility. I'm looking forward to it. I've never been to Flowery Branch. I haven't either. I've driven by it on the interstate this summer. but Or not interstate, but whatever that highway is, 400? I, mean, I, I have no idea. I don't even know where it is. I know it's in Atlanta somewhere, outside it's Atlanta. It's not in Atlanta it's at outside all. In Atlanta. fact, it's in Flowery Branch. But it's, you know what I mean. It's about 40 minutes It's north. outside Atlanta. I'll fly into Atlanta. Yes. I'll get an Uber to wherever we're going. And uh, when are you going up? Tomorrow. I'm going to I'm going to be there Wednesday morning. Of course you are. What? What That's do you good. Do? I'm glad. Practice is in the afternoon. Well, yeah. Why one o'clock? Why are you f- flying up Tuesday? Well, that's what I was told to do. Yeah, you're wasting company money following with orders. an extra hotel room. Could I'm follow, saving. I care about the Jags. I follow orders. 
Smart. I also care about the Jags. <laughs> uh, so that'll be good. Uh, two practices against the Falcons, and hey, we'll see another team. And these are these are cool because obviously we've we've seen it a few years in uh, in the past. Went to New England in 2017. I think that was a great learning experience of what a perennial playoff and Super Bowl uh, winning organization does their training camp like. And then the year after that, it was Baltimore, different feel there, uh, an organization that has their act together over the years, too. It was good to see. Yeah, it was good. Who who was the first overall pick? I mean, who was the, the first rounder for the Atlanta? I can't remember who they picked this year. I know they got the tight end last year, Pitts. Who's their uh, – you know, you got Marcus Mariota is going to be the quarterback, or at least that's, you know – they brought him in because they lost Matt Ryan. Drake London, USC, USC your receiver. Guy. I should have known that. So eighth overall. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see. I mean, I think that's a team that's in rebuild mode. They got some weapons now. They, they no, got, they, I mean, they, and the question guys, is, they're going to go as far as Mariota takes them yeah. on offense, and then defensively, they heck, they let the guy. I'm glad who's here, Alucon, go. Um. And so, it's, you know, they're trying to rebuild it there. Um, so, it'll be interesting. I'm, I'm excited to get up there and, and kind of see what, what's what and uh, watch our guys compete. And, and uh, usually it's lively and uh, good physical practice. Hopefully there's no fights. We've seen a couple training camp fights across the league when two teams get together. Hopefully that doesn't happen. But I'm looking forward to getting up there and uh, – We'll have a good dinner on Wednesday night, JP. Uh, Looking forward to that. And uh, looking forward to seeing you there. Tony, well done. We'll have Pete back next week. Looking forward to it. We miss Petey. Joe Fortunato, Brent Reaver, David Cho, our entire crew. I'm JP Shadrick. Thank you for listening. It's Jaguars Happy Hour on the Jaguars Digital Network.